the two men who hanged, hung on the crosses next to Jesus, we often call the good thief and the bad thief, but they weren't thieves. It's like the, the crime for stealing a loaf of bread or a wristwatch in ancient Palestine is crucifixion. That's kind of intense. Um, they were insurrectionists, just like Barabbas. Remember Barabbas? He was, he was, he was arrested because he'd started a revolution. This is what these two men did. They might have worked with Barabbas, actually. There was a certain sect of Jews that was trying to usher in the Messiah. And so there's two ways to do that. One, like, hey, let's just take over, let's just take over Rome. Let's just try to overthrow the occupation and, uh, and we'll set up for ourselves the messianic kingdom. There were false messiahs who had popped up in the last number of years. But also this idea like, well, if we can just overthrow the Romans, then the messiah will be able to come and just take the throne. It'll work out well for them. So they're, they're looking for the king of Israel, the king of the Jews, and by uh, an ironic twist of fate, here they find themselves being crucified with him. So it's this interesting phrase that this good thief, we often call dismiss, actually says to him. After hanging on the cross for, I don't know, several hours at this point, he looks over at him and he sees the reality. This isn't just a common criminal. This isn't just a blasphemer. This is the one I've been looking for. I have this theory that the two thieves... The good thief was just staring at Jesus. He was mesmerized by him. He couldn't take his eyes off him. He was trying to figure him out. This, this guy who was, who was being crucified so, in such a dignified manner. And then the bad thief, I don't think he looked at Jesus at all. I think he was afraid to look at him. So he just kept keeping his eyes the other direction. But eventually, this good thief has looked at him so long that he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He sees him for who he really is, not the king of the Jews, but the king of the universe. And he's ushered into that kingdom by, by the king himself. Beautiful twist of fate. And so, so he is. Jesus is the king of the universe. And though in his earthly life he came in a hidden way and he reigned from the throne of the cross, when he comes again, he'll come in glory and majesty and power and a little bit of intimidation factor to boot. So I want to read from you from the book of Revelation, John's vision of the return of the king. He says this, then I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. He who sat upon it is called faithful and true and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flame of fire and on his head are many diadems and he has a name inscribed which no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood and the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, wearing fine linen, white and pure, follow him on white horses. From his mouth issues a sharp sword with which to strike the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has inscribed his name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's the king 
When he comes back, he comes to make war on the nations. It's that that moment that we either are with him or against him. We're either in his army or we're in the opposing army. Now, I know where I want to be. <laughs> I want to be with the Lord when he comes. We have this beautiful, uh, this image is actually woven into the liturgy, though it's kind of in a hidden sort of way. Now, whenever we get to, right, when we're getting up to the, to the Eucharist, we sing, Sanctus, 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 Dominus Deus Sabaoth. Now, I actually like the Latin better than the English because the English is these words that kind of mean nothing to us. But in the Latin, the cognates of the English words actually have a little bit more meaning to them. So sanctus, 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 we know this is where we get the word sanctuary, sanctify, sanctity, holiness, right? Dei, deus, deity, that's where we get the word deity, God. Dominus. We say in English, Lord, means, it means nothing to us. Listen to the word, dominus. This is where we get the word domination, dominion, to dominate. And then the last word, sabaot, which doesn't have, isn't even a Latin word, it's a, it's a Hebrew word. And in English, we translate it into hosts, the Lord of hosts. That sounds very dainty. No, sabaot means the, of armies, of the, ho- the hordes and hordes of heavenly armies. So what we're saying is the deity who sanctifies by dominating the universe with his armies. That's what we're singing. And then what happens? The Lord is present on the altar. He comes again to us. And this, this image of this army... Jesus marching down with this sword from his mouth, mowing down uh, the nations is the image that we should have in our heads when we, when we enter into Holy Mass. And one of the, one of the favorite terms for, to talk about the faithful in the church is to say that we have the church triumphant, those are the, those are the saints in heaven. We have the church suffering, those are those souls in purgatory. And then we have us, the church militant we're fighting we're in battle we're in the, we're the militia this is the same maximilian colby's term for his his followers that he was collecting the militia maculate the militia of mary the army of the virgin we're soldiers how did we become soldiers oh at your confirmation you became a soldier for christ that's what confirmation is. That's what it does. It doesn't make you an adult in the church. It makes you a soldier for Christ. And a soldier has to fight in the, in the army. Otherwise, it's, you're called a deserter. You flee. You're not using the, the weapons that the Lord has given you to fight in his army, to defend, to go to battle. You know the word war comes up in the scriptures over 200 times? Yeah, because we're called to go to war. We're the church militant. And if we want to be in the Lord's army, we have to be in the presence of the king and receive our marching orders. Because an army is not an army of one. It's not me and Jesus. It's not me going, yeah, what do I think I want to do? No, it's about the Lord. He's the dominator. It's his dominion. He's the king of the universe. I need to know what he wants me to do. 
And so I have to put myself in his presence and like the, like the good thief on the cross, I need to stare at him. I need to wait upon him. I need him to tell me what he wants me to do. What, Lord, is my mission? The church universal has a mission to make the name of the Lord known and loved throughout all the world. Every parish shares in that mission. Our mission in, in, in the Delano, greater Delano area is to make Christ known and loved, especially in the Blessed Sacrament. It's for this purpose that we've felt called for, for a number of years now to have a perpetual Eucharistic adoration chapel. Because in a very literal way, we make Christ, his Eucharistic presence, his kingly presence known to the whole, uh, the whole area. And in a, in, a, in a corresponding sort of way, those of, those of you who are in the adoration chapel, your prayers fuel the mission of our parish. All the things we do here are fueled by the prayers of the Adoration Chapel. From the rescue project to, uh, to faith formation to catech catech uh, catechism and uh, sacramental prep to marriages. All those things are fueled by the prayers flowing from the Adoration Chapel. And I think in a very real way, what, I, what is so beautiful about the Adoration Chapel is it's like this, uh, it's like the, the staging room for the battle. Like I go there to receive my marching orders. Because yeah, we have a, a mission as a parish, but you each have a mission yourselves. Do you know what it is? I don't know what your mission, your particular mission is. But Jesus does, the commander does. He wants to tell it to you. I just, I've just been sensing this like growing uh, purposelessness. Maybe it's here, maybe it's broader, but we kind of we just going through like, yeah, go to mass and you know, say some prayers and I'm Catholic. But I don't really know what the Lord has for me to do. What does he have for me to do? And I'll only know if I'm sitting in his presence in that staging room, that battle room, waiting upon him. The other thing I like about the Adoration Chapel is uh, it's just a very, it's very clear that we're all in this together and we need each other. Like if I have the Adoration Hour, I need to count on the person coming after me. Take over, all right? Changing of the guard. Right, we're, we're all in this together. It's a corporate, uh, very clear, this is our mission. It's an important one. I'd like, to, I'd like to invite all of you, if you don't already have an adoration hour, to sign up for one. It's really not an optional thing as a soldier for Christ to not put yourself in the presence of the commander. Because otherwise we're just off doing our own thing. I say it every year, and every year we come up with our excuses, but the only excuse is really, well, it's just not convenient for me. Oh, oh, it's not convenient for you. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, when the, when the king comes riding on his horse with the sword coming out of his mouth and fire coming out of his eyes, you explain to him that it just wasn't convenient for you. I, as your pastor, don't want you to have that awkward conversation with the king of the universe. I'd like you to start sitting with him now so that when he comes, you say, ah, 
Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So that like the good thief, you recognize him and he recognizes you. If at this time I can invite all the current adorers, if you have an adoration hour signed up in the adoration chapel on a weekly basis, if you could please stand up right now. All the, all the registered signed up adorers, you stand up right now. Now, if you are a confirmed Catholic, you've received the sacrament of confirmation, I'd like you also to stand up with them. Oh, okay, very good, very good. So, so next year when I ask this question, I'd like to see this many people standing up because all of you are soldiers of Christ. All of you need to put yourself in the, in the presence of the king in that battle room so that we can fulfill our corporate mission and that you can know your personal mission. You can, you can be seated. At the ends of the pews, there's a card that looks like this. If you're sitting on the ends of the pews, if you'd pass those down and along with a pencil, I'd like everybody to, to take one of these and fill it out. I want you to put your name on it, your phone number on it, your email address on it. Our, somebody from our, our adoration coordinator team will, will give you a call. There's three options here. One is I can, take, I can sign up for an hour of adoration. I can sign up for an hour to be with the king, to, to put myself in the presence of the, the master and commander, king of the universe. The second option is, you know what? I, I'm not sure if I can commit right now to, a, to my own hour, but I can be the second person on an hour. We want two people on every single hour because again, it's a, it's a team effort. And then if, if I have somebody, I have a partner and I always know that they're there, they always know that I'm there, if for something, some reason something comes up, I can't make it, I have an appointment, I have, I have to be out of town, I'm sick, I just text my adoration buddy and say, hey, you gonna be there? They say, yep, all right, great. So I signed up for adoration this last year, I've been saying it for years and years. I do take adoration every single day at my, in the rectory with my brothers, but I said, no, I need to be in our adoration chapel too. This is specific to, to our mission here. So I signed up for an hour, I have an hour with another, another person who, you know, we just, we, we, we watch out for each other. You gonna be here? Yep, okay, I can't be here this week. So there's, there's really no pressure. We work as a team. The third option is something that we're, we're starting uh, to help fill some of those late night hours, those hours that are, they're just hard to fill because, yeah, even though we're all free at three o'clock in the morning, it's, uh, some of us do, do less well with uh, not getting a lot of sleep. Right? But you can do once a month, right? We could all do once a month. One time a month, I make a sacrifice for, for the parish, make a sacrifice for the king. And so we're putting together teams of four or five who can sign up for one, some, of those, some of those late night hours. So some of the beautiful, most beautiful hours spend in the, in the presence of the Lord and the silence of the night. I think our prayers are all the more efficacious at nighttime. It's a beautiful time to be with the Lord. So after you've checked one of, those, uh, one of those boxes, I'd ask you to pass those to the center aisle. And I'm gonna ask the ushers to go ahead and pick those up now. Pass them to the center and I'll have the ushers. If we don't have ushers, if somebody else could pick them up now, that'd be really helpful.
at the end of the day, we have two options. We're the good thief or the bad thief. The good thief recognized Jesus because he had spent time in his presence staring at him, looking at him, gazing upon him. The bad thief refused. He refused. The invitation was there and he refused it. God reigns from the cross. He's gentle. He's kind. He's welcoming. But when he comes again, he comes as the deity who sanctifies by his dominating presence and his hordes of heavenly armies. We've all been consecrated, chosen as soldiers for Christ. If we're on the Lord's team, let's, let's prove it. Let's prove it by our fidelity to the Lord in the Adoration Chapel.